peace with the comfort of our care. Knowing peace with the comfort of our care. Knowing peace with the comfort of our care. It's Deer Valley Hospice Care. Yeah. It's Deer Valley Hospice Care. Join us for stories of healing, hope, and the hospice journey, a conversational series that delves into various topics surrounding hospice care. Each episode features experienced practitioners from a range of services at Deer Valley Hospice Care, providing valuable insights and information. Whether you're interested in learning more about the practices of hospice or in need of support, this podcast is intended for anyone, anywhere. Hello, listeners and viewers. I'm Robin Foley, Deer Valley Community Liaison for Deer Valley Home Health and Deer Valley Hospice. I've been with Deer Valley for four and a half years, working in hospice for a little over six years, and we are excited to present our series, Stories of Hope, Emotional Healing, and the hospice journey. We decided to do this podcast because we wanted the community to be more informed about the facts about hospice care. We also wanted to dispel any of the myths that prevent the community from taking advantage of this benefit, in particular, the black community. We're proud to be one of only a handful of black owned hospice companies in the country and only one of two in the St. Louis city and metropolitan areas. Without further ado, I'm delighted to introduce to some and present to others radio personality, community activist, trendsetter, and influencer, Stacey Static, <laughs> who so graciously accepted our invitation to share her personal hospice journey. Stacey, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. And so can you please tell the listeners who is Stacy Static and you can transition into sharing your personal hospice journey. Well, Stacy Static is actually Kimberly McCain. That's my legal name. And I am the youngest of three children. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I had to put my father on hospice back in 2016. Okay. So, and being the youngest child, he kind of like deemed me the one responsible for his health care later in life. Mm-hmm. I started going to doctor's visits with him before he had a stroke. And mm-hmm. then after he had a stroke, I was the person who put him in assistant care facilities and also attended rehab with him and really went through that journey with him after he had a major stroke. It was debilitating and left him with aphasia where he could not speak. He could understand everything you were saying, but mm-hmm. he couldn't speak back to you clearly. Right. And we dealt with that for 14 years. He wow. lived with that for 14 years. And he told me probably about seven months before I put him on hospice that he was ready to check out. Yeah. And I just saw him decline. He stopped eating just stopped being as engaged with life as he had been. And I knew it was time to to let go. Thank you for sharing that. And the reason why we wanted to have different people who had different experiences, because just that, people's experiences are very different. We have some individuals who 
it was very quick. Mm. So you had a little time to kind of emotionally prepare for this. And like you said, your father said that he was ready. But what were some of your biggest challenges? Were there any family dynamics for Mm -hmm. those who were not ready that you would like to share? Well, I mean, like I said, I'm the youngest of three. I have an Mm -hmm. older sister and an older brother. And they just pretty much didn't. I mean, it was like I called them and I said, dad signed the do not resuscitate forms after Mm -hmm. he had a medical emergency. And that's Mm -hmm. when he told me he was ready. He was done. And then when I saw him decline and the facility said that, you know, it was probably time to put him on hospice. Mm -hmm. I called my brother and sister like I'm putting dad on hospice. I didn't even ask. I just Mm -hmm. told them what I was doing. And my sister did come when I put him on hospice, but that was the last time she saw him and my brother never did see him again. It was just interesting that they just, I mean, everybody deals with an ailing and ill parent differently. Right. And I just, everybody had their own journey and I just figured this is their way and this is what they had to do (laughs) to get through it. So I, yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was difficult because Mm -hmm. I, I'd text them and be like, you know, dad is doing well today and Mm -hmm. you should go see him. And it's like crickets. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And you're right. Individuals do have their own way of, of dealing with it. And I, you know, probably because your father knows you and knows that you can handle it and take care of business is probably why he, trusted you to make sure that it happens. What are some of the things that you didn't know about hospice that you know now? I didn't know anything, really. Mm-hmm. I, I think my grandfather, I'll go back, I think my grandfather did go on hospice. I didn't have a really good relationship with him and my mm-hmm. mother just kind of, it was like touch and go. Mm-hmm. I do remember a hospice being involved, but I wasn't really involved with that. But I didn't really know what hospice was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was drugs. I didn't know, mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. Right. What I did come to find out was that they spent time with the person, like mm-hmm. the hospice care person would spend time with them, whatever that, like they'd fill in for for family if they weren't available, like read to them or mm-hmm. listen to music with them or hold their hand or, right. I think I knew that much, but I didn't know everything that it entailed. I had no idea. Yeah, and most people don't right. because it's not like it's occurrence that happens all the time. Usually people learn right. while they're experiencing or going through hospice, right. so that happens a lot. And that's also a reason why we're doing this podcast to prepare people for sometime the inevitable. Absolutely. We're all going to go through it and some people who can make the decision about hospice can be more informed, not learn as they're going through it. What advice would you have for anyone who may be hesitant about accepting hospice care for their loved one? With anything, I think you have to do your own research and you have Mm -hmm. to find the right provider for you and your family. I think that that's really necessary. I was grateful that I did have a black woman Mm -hmm. that was my father's hospice care. Mm -hmm. And that was important to me. Overall, they say you become, uh, this is terrible. They say, I guess you become more race aware as you age. (laughs) Like my father never had a problem going to like all white spaces until Mm -hmm. he got older. He's like, why you got me all weird with all these white people? And I'm like, daddy, when did that happen? (laughs) It was just very interesting. So I knew that, you know, I had to go with a provider that was a woman of color. And you just want to make sure that you understand, do your research, watch videos and Mm -hmm. really educate yourself about the industry and what Mm -hmm. it entails and be honest about what your needs are and Mm -hmm. who the person is that you're providing care for. 
more. I mean, if they're a religious person, make sure you you incorporate that into the hospice care so their end of life right. mimics their life overall. I, I just think that all of that, that, just do your research. I am so glad that you said that because you know, what we want to impress with this podcast is that there are options. Yeah. In that vulnerable situation, those options are not presented to the family. So it right. is very important for the families to be educated. Introducing Old Henry Soul Food Restaurant, where delicious meals meet a warm and welcoming atmosphere. Listen to all five episodes of our podcast and collect the word of the day for a chance to win a dinner date for four at Old Henry's. Don't miss out on this opportunity to experience the soulful flavors of Old Henry. Submit your answers in the form within our bio and join us for a night of great food and even better company. The word of the day for this episode is triggers. How did you choose your provider, your hospice provider? Well, when the facility my father was staying in, they had suggested that it was probably time to put him on hospice because he had declined so much Mm -hmm. over the last few months of his life. And I knew of a young woman who did hospice care. And so I reached out to her and said, I'm looking for a hospice provider for my dad. And we got the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. So I found my own. I didn't let the facility find the person. Like I said, I I think it's really important to do your own research and find what really works for you and your family. Absolutely. I'm glad you did share that because what we're finding is the nursing homes have their own hospice. Mm. The assistant livings sometimes have their agency that they work with. Hospitals have their own hospice. And when you're in that vulnerable situation, the doctor says your loved one have to go on hospice and here's the hospice order, then more than likely that family is just going to say okay. Right. So it's important for the families to know that you do have options and like you, you can do your research and I always encourage the families to call a few hospice companies, you know, talk to them. Um, They are more than willing to sit down and talk with the family so that they can answer all of the questions that the families have Mm. and they can make a more informed decision after they speak with the different hospice agencies because all hospice agencies are not alike. Exactly, no. Can you share your emotional journey during and after your father's death. And I say that because it is a journey and we want people to understand that there is a lot that transpires from the diagnosis to transition. There's a lot that goes on in between. And so we want people to share that experience. Well, like I said before, we had been dealing with it for 14 years. Mm-hmm. And my father, it, anyone who knew my dad knows that he was an outgoing person, very talkative, mm-hmm. very social, loved to be out to eat and go on to concerts. And we dealt with him not being able to even communicate mm-hmm. effectively for 14 years. So when he told me that he was done, I mean, I... I didn't argue with him. Like when he signed his own orders, he got released from the hospital and returned back to the facility. And I remember the social worker was like, you know, your father signed the do not resuscitate forms. I said, he can still sign a signature. Mm -hmm. He knows what he's doing. And she was like alarmed that I was so calm. And I was Mm -hmm. like, we talked about it. Like I I have to be the one to say, okay, he's done. Mm -hmm. And 14 years is a long time. I couldn't, and he was over 70. I mean, the life expectancy for black men in America is what, like 75, Mm, 72? It is. If it's not even lower now because of COVID. And so I was, I'm realistic. 
And it was difficult. I didn't try to talk him out of it. And I just remember going through all the memories before we even got to that point. You just flood the memories. Your memories just is crazy. And so when we were going through the whole hospice journey and dealing with my brother and sister and keeping them updated on what was going on and just trying to make them comfortable, spending more time with them, taking my kids to go see them. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, I mean, you still go through it. Grief comes in waves. I'll still be watching something or listen to... I couldn't listen to Stevie Wonder for three years. Really? For three years. And I love Stevie Wonder. I'm a Stevie Wonder. Yes. Couldn't listen to him for three years. I couldn't even listen to PJ Morton because he reminds me of Stevie Wonder. I would just burst into tears. So it was was really rough for Mm -hmm. a long time just not being able to listen to my favorite artist. But that was my dad. Like, Mm -hmm. he influenced all of that. So it's still a journey. I mean, grief, and that's what... Losing a parent, I don't think you ever really fully get over it. It's something yeah, that will always know. trigger you. When you lose someone that close to you, I just take them one day at a time. All right. You yeah. have to. Well, thank you for sharing that. And you are right. It's continuum. Mm-hmm. Think about when I lost my mom, her favorite store was Marshall's. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I thought I was ready to go into Marshall's. And it was probably like a couple of months that I went into Marshall's and just broke down. Girl. And I had to end up putting my little stuff down mm-hmm. and leaving because it just triggered something. And I actually thought I was doing okay at that yeah. time. So you're right. It's certain things that you may listen to or see or smell or right or hear that will trigger those emotions and it's important for people to understand that you'll have a lot of people saying or insinuating that you should be over it but it is like you said losing Mm -hmm. a parent or losing a child or losing anyone that's important to you there are times that you know certain things will trigger you and that's okay it's fine please know that it's okay so thank you for sharing that Stacey and thank you for telling everyone about your journey and your healing and your continual healing I appreciate you taking the time to do this I appreciate you for having me thank you thank you thank you for tuning in to the stories of healing hope and the hospice journey we hope that the conversations we've had with experts caregivers have provided valuable insights and perspective on end-of-life care as always our goal is to promote compassionate and dignified care for those nearing their end of life we encourage you to continue the conversations with your loved ones, healthcare providers, and the community about the importance of hospice care. I hope you will join us for our next episode of Stories of Hope, Healing, and the Hospice Care Journey featuring Erica Scott, Deer Valley Hospice Administrator and Director of Nursing, and Chrissy Jones, Deer Valley Hospice Nurse and Compliance Officer, who will answer your questions about hospice. Don't forget to listen for the second word of the day on the next episode for a chance to win a dinner for four at Old Henry Restaurant, where the food is tailor-made, and other prizes. Remember, every person deserves to be treated with respect and kindness during this stage of life. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to sharing more with you in the future. Hospice Care